0: excited to be here today. I just, as I was hearing Abby say that, that's like a little tongue twister. Three family photos in the foyer. Say that five times fast. So, but we love to have you join us next week for Mother's Day. It's going to be a wonderful time. I'm excited to uh, hear Heather, uh, my wife's preaching next week. It's gonna be, she's talking about leaving a legacy of love leaving a legacy of love. Now, we know, and this is, this is something we want to share just a little personal before we, we're prepared. Actually, we're preparing to take our offering, but uh, pastors, anytime they have an opportunity to talk, they always slip a couple things in. And so I, uh, I, I understand Mother's Day can be a challenge for some families. Uh, ourselves, you know, we, I've shared Bennett's adopted, and so we had struggled with infertility for many years. And we understand Mother's Day can be a challenge for those that have lost a child, that have had a miscarriage or infertility issues. Here's what we want you to know. We can be spiritual parents. God has called us. It's not just about having physical children, although we know God desires for us to have kids. But we want you to know next week when Heather shares, uh, we honor all women. We, we talk about uh, you know, when you have an end of, the, end of the, after service, we'll have a nice little uh, gift for our families and for our, for our, our the women that are here. And so we're not checking IDs to make sure you got a kid. Here's what I want to let you know. God has called you to be a mother spiritually and physically. And so we honor women. We honor. And so I understand wh- that Mother's Day can be a challenge for those that have gone through difficulties. We're sensitive to that. We want to honor moms, and we also understand that God has a heart for you. God has a blessing for you. I just wanted to share that in the conversation about Mother's Day. We'd love to have you invite your friends and your family. Uh, we got a couple of funny things planned, and some gifts giveaway. give away. We'll do, but I really do. I wanted the competition—see who can get the most kids on campus that uh, claim them as a parent. And so uh, we'll have some giveaways with that, and then we'll have a fun morning with uh, photos out in the foyer, free photos out in the foyer. I'm not going to say it five times fast because that's a challenge. So, Well, this morning as we prepare to receive our, our tithes and offering, let me ask you, how many of you were excited about April 18th this year? Was anybody excited about April 18th this year? Jimmy? Why were you excited about April 18th? Yeah, it was tax day. That was tax day this year. Uh, at, at, you know, and so, you know, the, the Word of God tells us in Psalms, you know, how will I... Give back to the Lord for how he has blessed us. Now, we know how we're going to give back to the government, don't we? Uh, we that's, what, that's what taxes are. Now, normally it's April 15th, and this year it was April 18th because of oh, holidays fall and all that stuff. Uh, but you know what? God has called us to give back to him. It's all really his, isn't it? But he's blessed us. He's blessed us. And as we have opportunity, he has asked us just to give a portion to give a portion. He lets us keep 90% of it, anything we give above and beyond. it. And Here, I want to give a good testimony. I want to give a good testimony. You know, Calvary had gone through a good season of transition prior to me coming. Uh, you know, I started March 1st, and so I've just been here just over two months. Uh, this, I think it's my eighth time preaching. Uh, I haven't counted, but I think eighth or ninth time. Uh, but here's the, here's the exciting thing. Uh, we had gotten ourselves into a little deficit for giving and that's kind of normal in transition that people start hanging on to their tithes, they hang on to their offering, because they kind of take this wait and see mentality. Let's see who we bring in. If they're crazy, we're going to go someplace else. And if they're not, we might stick around. Uh, and so uh, most of you seem to have stuck around. You know, you had, don't know me that well, so we're not, the crazy bus might still be out there. But here's the, the great thing that I want to give a testimony of. In April, we, you know, we get projected budget numbers. In April, we actually hit our projected income number the fourth Sunday of April, and we had five Sundays. And so on the fifth Sunday, it made up the deficit for the previous eight months. That's a good testimony. That's a good testimony of your faithful obedience to giving as God has called us to give. And let me encourage you to continue to bless others with your generosity. Your continued support is what makes the ministries possible here. Reaching out to people through the House of Blessing, ministering to kids, ministering to the different areas. We are supported entirely by your tithes and offering, And so let me pray that we would continue to move forward into what God has called us to do and live as generous people. How will I thank the Lord for how he has blessed me? I do it with my obedience and my continued generosity. Amen? Ushers, would you come? Again, if you're a first or a returning guest with us, that connection card, if you drop it in the offering in just a few minutes or bring it back to the Welcome Center, we would love to be able to send you a little information about the church. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card, drop it in the offering. Uh, We would love to pray with you. We did so this past week for all of our prayer requests. And we're gonna continue to do that as part of our midweek service. So let's, let's bless the Lord this morning with the offering. Father, we thank you for your continued blessings. I pray that you help us to remain faithful and generous and obedient in our giving. We know that we will never outgive you and that you will always be faithful. So we give you thanks and praise this morning. In your precious name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you as you give. Well, this morning we are finishing up the uh, third part of Mighty uh, as we we move into the the last... Uh, sermon this morning. Before we get into that, I do want to just give a quick reminder. Uh, If you are in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you have not yet had the opportunity to attend a connection reception, or if you're not in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you have not yet had an opportunity to attend a connection reception, I would love to have you join us after service. We'll be in the Joy Center. Be about 45 minutes. We just love to have you come, be a part of it. What we're going to talk about is just a little bit of uh, what you see are some of the opportunities we have in Calvary, but also for you to hear a little bit of where we're heading. And then in June, after I have the opportunity to, I'm still in my getting to know you phase. I mean, again, I've been here two months and uh, I want to have the opportunity. We'll do a little town hall meeting after, a, maybe after a Sunday or on a Saturday where we'll come together and we'll talk a little bit about what God is shaping in us and how we're going to move forward, where I see us going. We'll do that towards the end of June. Uh, and so uh, I would love to have you come and be a part of it. I'm using all of the feedback and I've got a lot of great feedback from our ministry leaders. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from these connection receptions. I'm going to use all of this to kind of help understand who Calvary is and where we're heading as a church. And so I would love, if you haven't had a chance, please come. I know I, put, I said 30, 40s, and 50, but it's really kind of anybody that wants to come at this point. We want you to come, hear, share, talk, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful time for us. I would also invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. Now, I have a confession to make about Wednesday night services. If you've been here for the first two weeks, I love Wednesday nights because it's a little different. Uh, it gives us the opportunity we do prayer, we do worship, but it also gives me the opportunity to do a little bit deeper teaching. And right now we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but here's the confession. I talk really, really fast. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm teaching in those kind con- of, and I, I, we got worksheets, i got a blank. I fly through the material because I've got so much I want to say. And so if you have come the last two weeks, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'll slow down. (laughs) So that would be the people that came. Uh, That would be the people that have been there. Yeah, the first week really could have been split into three. But we got it all in. We got it all in. Last week could have probably been two, maybe one and a half. Uh, But we got it all in. I'll get every last word in. And it's something that my dear sweet wife, who's in kids' church today, uh, she just wanted to see how things are going. And such, uh, she tells me that I read scripture so fast. And so, if you think if you don't think I read it fast, you can thank her because I have slowed down significantly. I can read a whole chapter to you in about twelve seconds, um, but it's not necessarily the best. And so, I'm working on. I'm just so excited, and I like. I, I mean, I really enjoy talking. And so I just got to get all the words in. So I'll work on slowing down if you'll work on coming, okay? And so uh, I promise you, Wednesday night's been a good time. We've enjoyed it. We pray for the needs. Like I said this morning, as part of the prayer, uh, prayer as we've said, if you have prayer requests, please drop it on the card. Uh, we, we took time this past week. We, we printed out all the prayer requests. Now, we don't print out names to go along with prayer requests, but we print out the need so that we can lift them up in prayer and they take them home so we can continue to pray for it. It's an important part of our week. It's an important part of who we're going to be as a church. So like I said, the, the June town hall, town hall meeting will talk a little bit about where we're going, but there's certain things I already know about us as a church. We're going to be a church that loves the altar. We're going to be a church that values the presence of God. We're going to be a church that values prayer. We're going to be a church that believes in the move and the work of the Holy Spirit. We are; These are things that are going to be core to who we are. We're going to shape other things in there, but there are things that are going to be central to who we are as a church. Those are things that I can comfortably say this is who we're going to be because it is who God has created us to be. We're going to love the lost. Why? Because God has called us to love the lost. We're going to be a place that's inviting and welcoming to young families. Why? Because God wants us to grow the kingdom. So these are things that we're going to do. I'm excited about it. And so again, please join me after service for a connection reception. Come Wednesday nights; it's going to be a wonderful time. I'm excited about it. So the last two weeks we have gone through uh, two different aspects of uh, the Mighty series. In the first week, I talked about one of the greatest sins facing the church. We, we and we're talking uh, about Samson struggling with sexual sins, what we talked about. But really what we talked about is this, one of the sins facing the church today is the, the the reliance on yourself, that you can get it done on your own ability. And then last week we talked about David and the mighty men and the other giant killers, and we talked about how they were inspired by David's example. And the question is, are we afraid of the giants or are we killing fear? And we do both of those things by the same way, Ephesians 6.10, to allow ourselves to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Well, today I want to talk about another great individual from the Bible. Now, many of us will identify with him, and many of us are probably wondering, why is there a boat on stage? It was fun getting the boat this week. We had, this, is, this works out perfect. Thank you, Michael. This works out perfect for what I needed because uh, I like, I, I'm not much of a boat person, really. Uh, actually, Heather and I, on our honeymoon, uh, we went to South Lake Tahoe. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, and so we're like, hey, we're out South Lake Tahoe. We're in Lake Tahoe there. Let's rent a boat and take it out on the water. We rented it for an hour. I think we are out for about 20 minutes before we determined we're not boat people. We're really not boat people. We got out there. We're out in the middle of the water. And we're like, yep, that's all I needed. That's good. That's good. Because Tahoe is big. That lake is big. And so we're out in the middle of it. Now I'm a good swimmer. I'm a good, I'm a strong swimmer. Trust me, I, I, I swim like a fish. Uh, but we're out in the middle of this lake, and I'm going, I'm just not having a good time. Now, jet skis. I like jet skis, just not boats. Not, but bo- I actually, I about killed myself on a jet ski one time, but that's a whole other story. Uh, I did lose my glasses. They're currently sitting on the bottom of the bay in Oceanside, California. Uh, they sank right down to the bottom after I finished skipping off the water. Uh, they did not make it out. But Uh, I'm not much of a boat person, but today the person we're talking about spends some time in a boat. We're talking about Peter a little bit. We're talking about Peter a little bit. Peter is a great disciple to talk about because Peter is, um, he's really human. He's really, um, we we can look at Peter and go, oh, yeah, I've done that. We look at Peter and go, oh, yeah, I, I got that problem too. We look at Peter and go, oh, yeah. I mean, Peter was like, he was bold, wasn't he? He was bold. He was brash. Peter got out of the boat. Peter said, No, Jesus, I'll never deny you. When they were faced with, with, uh, with an army or with, when they're coming to take Jesus away, T- Peter whips out his sword, cuts off an ear. Yeah. And Jesus' like, No, that's not how we do it. That's really not, not how it goes. Uh, but Peter, man, how many of you can go, Yeah, I could see some of myself in Peter. I look at Peter and go, Man, Peter, 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 Peter. Well, you know, I think Peter is a good example for us to look at today as we close out, because I think Peter was a mighty man of faith. I think Peter had a powerful faith. I think Peter had a wonderful faith, and uh, that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. How many of you uh, remember your first steps? Anybody? I don't remember my first steps, although I know I had them because I'm currently walking. How many of you remember your first driving lesson, yeah, 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 which parent was it your mom? was it your dad was it Was it an uncle was it a great well, who, who I, you know my mom my dad would not give us driving lessons. My mom would give us driving lessons, and she was a nervous wreck the whole time the whole time now see, I turned sixteen in January, my birthday's January first. you can write that down if you like, and so my birthday i 'll be uh, it's just uh, gift cards always fit. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I learned how to drive. It was in January. So it was snowy. I grew up in Ohio. So it was snowy, ice. Mom's the one giving me driver's, driver's ed. Uh, you know, I, I took it. I, see, when I took driver's ed, kids today, they don't have the opportunity to take it in high school. Um, I took it as a high school. I got high school credit for taking driver's ed. Um, yeah, which they don't do that anymore. Uh, you have to pay to go to a school. But mom had to help me with the road road time. And so there's ice on the road. There's, and she's just, she's, I, I'm, I'm serious. There were finger indents in the side console from where she was holding on. It's fun. It's fun. How many of you have ever given your, I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, Bennett's three I'm not really looking forward to it just based upon how he does things now. So 13 years from now, although, he, you know, I mean, it, it, he, maybe he'll mellow out. That's not normally how it works, but uh, it'll be fun. But, yeah, Mom, she, I, you know, I remember that first driver's lesson because we did it in the church parking lot, and it was still covered in ice. I did not hit anything, uh, which was good. I came close, but did not actually hit anything. How many of you remember your first boyfriend or girlfriend? you remember your your first love, your first kiss? A lot of firsts we remember, a lot that we don't. How many of you remember when you were first saved? That first real altar experience that you had. That first opportunity you had to experience God's presence. How about the first time you prayed for somebody and they were healed? How about the first time you saw a miracle even beyond just healing? The first time God did something amazing in your life that you never expected? Those first moments are amazing and overwhelming. Because oftentimes they're things that we don't expect. They're things that we're not anticipating. Maybe you're still waiting for some firsts. That's okay because we have a faithful God. We know that he'll do first things. But I love first experiences, because it shapes some new things for me. It gives me new opportunities. It gives me new things that I want to do it again and again and again. I'm looking for, actually, the first time we took Bennett on a roller coaster down at Disney World, two years ago, two years ago, I mean, he's, he, he was just, he had just turned two. And as soon as we get off the roller coaster, the first words out of his mouth, again, again, we had, we had a Bush Gardens down in Virginia right next to us. We, we would ride, they had, it was a Grover-themed roller coaster. He'd ride that thing all day. Again? Get all, I mean, the ride was like 12 seconds long, you know, because it's for kids. Again? Again? When we get thrilled and excited about something first, what do we want to do? We want to do it again. That's why we all love ice cream. We want to keep on going back for the good stuff, right? Well, this morning, I want to look at Peter. And talk a little bit about why Peter did some of the stuff that he did. So if you want to open your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew, chapter 14. Chapter 14. Now, you probably you might have figured that one out already since we've got a boat here on stage. But Jesus let the disciples go out on ahead of him. They got out on the water. and I don't know why it didn't occur to the disciples of We're out on the water. How's Jesus going to catch up? Uh, But they went out without him anyways. And so we pick it up in verse 27. Actually, let's pick up in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come he said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. It began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with that last part. You of little faith, why did you doubt? I always think Peter kind of gets a bum rap at times. Why are you? Why? Why don't you have more faith in that, Peter? Peter got out of the boat first of all, right? The other eleven disciples. Now, this obviously is not the kind of boat that they would have been in because I would not want to be in here with twelve other people. Um, this is like three person boat, right? I mean, what, four, maybe at most two. I don't. know. For me, I'm, I feel comfortable with one. And so, but again, I'm not a boat person, so it was a bigger boat than they were, than this, but. Here's the thing. Peter got out of the boat, and the other 11 are back in here. And Jesus looks at Peter and goes, you of little faith. We're familiar with that. We understand why Jesus said you of little faith. But here's the question that really popped up when I was thinking about this. Why did Peter get out of the boat? Why did Peter get out of the boat? Now, the other 11 disciples stayed in the boat. And they were there, and they were okay, and we didn't hear any rebuke from Jesus towards them. But Peter, he got out of the boat. and I just wondered, why did Peter get out of the boat? There had to be something unique. There had to be something in Peter's experience that said, if I get out of the boat, I'm going to be okay. Because to this point, I don't believe we have any record of Peter walking on water. But he got out of the boat. Now, we know he didn't make it all the way to Jesus, but he walked towards Jesus. He got out of the boat. And I'm wondering, why did Peter get out of the boat? Have you ever wondered that? Just wondered, what gave him the confidence? What gave him the assurity that he was going to be okay. And I think it goes back to our conversations about firsts, our conversations about firsts. You know, this this event of Peter getting out of the boat, it was less than two years after he first met Jesus. Think of when you first start a relationship, you make a new friend. You want to spend time with them all, all that you can. Somebody does something amazing for you, somebody you fall in love with. We start thinking about it and we get excited, don't we? We start believing in that opportunity. I mean, we've we've already, since Heather and I've been here the last two months, we've made some, we've made friends and we enjoy being with our friends. And I am just continually amazed at the people of our church that are willing to do whatever's asked of them. That, that, that offer happens repeatedly. What do you need? What do you need, Pastor? What can I do for you? And these people are meaning it sincerely. And I'm just continually amazed and, and honored. But think about Peter, I've been here two months. Peter's been with Jesus just, just two years. Just two years. This relationship was still pretty new. They say if you have a friend for seven years, they'll be your friend for life. So I think before that, you can lose that friend. But Jesus, two years as a disciple, it was still a pretty new relationship. And so in a lot of ways, Peter was still really, really close to when he first met Jesus. But the other 11 state, the other 11 stayed. It tells me there was a difference. Maybe Peter was just a more passionate person. Maybe Peter was just a more, uh, just a more impetuous person, a brash, as some people describe him. But have you ever noticed that in church? Have you ever noticed that in, 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 in different circles that you run in? Some people seem to believe that God will do anything that they ask even just the craziest things. Some of the boldest people that you'll hear of in ministry are newly saved. They just meet Jesus. And they're like, all right, so the Word of God says we can raise the dead. Let's go do that. The Word of God says people get healed. Let's go do that. The Word of God says that Jesus came for everybody, so let's go talk about that with other people. And they get excited. They get fired up. They get ready, and they run out, and they start doing something in ministry. They start sharing the love of God. They start sharing amazing things that God has done in their lives. The other 11 disciples were with Jesus, too, but they didn't have that same energy. I'm sure they loved Jesus. I'm sure they were still close to Jesus. It was still a new relationship. But they didn't get out of the boat. I mean, I imagine if Jesus, if all 12 disciples said, Jesus, if that's you, let us get out of the boat. Jesus would say, all right, guys, everybody come. The opportunity was there for everybody. Peter was the only one that asked. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of the church of Ephesus. Now, you don't have to turn there but I'll read it to you, in Revelation chapter 2. Here's what it says, Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. That sounds like a good church, doesn't it? You have stayed firm in the faith. You have believed God. You have trusted the Lord. You have stood against unrighteousness. You have stayed steadfast and steady. But here's what it says in verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far, how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, in this, there's two, two opinions on what kind of love they were talking about. It was either, he, he was either talking about their love for each other or their love for Christ. That was what was being talked about. But see, he wasn't saying, you've given yourselves over to sin. You've given yourselves over to a reprobate mind. What he was saying is, you've drifted, much like people in a boat. They've drifted from where they first started. It's not intentional. It's not purposeful. But the longer you know someone, the more casual that relationship becomes. Heather and I were watching a show this week, and it was a, it was a drama, and they, one of the couples in the drama was talking about they were getting a divorce. And here's how they described it. Said it wasn't any one thing, We just drifted. I'm sure everybody in this room loves Jesus Christ. He's changed your life. But is it the same as when you first came to know Jesus? Do you have that same passion? Do you have that same excitement? Do you have that same desire to share the love of Christ with other people? Imagine the first time that you you experienced Jesus, you wanted to tell other people about how he had changed your life. But as we get saved longer and longer and longer, what do we do? We get kind of settled in. And we say, well, yeah, this is what Jesus has done. Now, I'm not talking about immaturity in the faith. You should deepen your maturity in Christ. You should move off of spiritual milk. But are you still passionate about sharing the gospel? Are you still passionately in love with Jesus like you were when you first were changed and transformed? Are you, like Peter, willing to get out of the boat? I think the longer we're saved the harder for it the harder it is for us to remember that moment when we would have been willing to step out. Does it mean we don't love him? No. Does it mean we don't care about Jesus? No. Does it mean we've fallen away from him? No. Does it mean we've drifted? Possibly. I want you to watch this video. It's a lot like that moment of realization of why Peter would get out of the boat.
1: Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. That is so like you though there's something new about you all the time that's what i love about you peter yeah do you remember uh the morning the ladies went to the tomb
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next you know because we thought you were dead you know you were dead you know and we're trying to figure all that out you know and mary comes running up and mary's like saying beehive 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 and I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He He's risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do. And you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. The angel said what? Uh, Go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. He said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. To the disciples and Peter you said my name why did you say my name? Peter that's grace no no I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you if I was with you and I kept denying you left and right alright no it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did it was unforgivable for no, what I did no what
1: I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter.
0: The moment that we accepted God's grace is the moment our lives transformed. It refers to a couple different things in that video. It refers to John chapter 21 when Peter said, when Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times, do you love me? Now in English, we don't necessarily understand the intricacies of what was being asked. The first time he said, do you love me? It was that the the word that translates into agape. We're familiar with that love. It's a universal love. It's like, do you love me? As in, do you like you love everybody? Peter says, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Do you love me? Again, it was the agape, love. The third time, Jesus asks about a different kind of love. It's the phileo, love. The love that you have for a brother. The love that you have for a friend. The love that you have for someone you have in relationship. Peter had gone from willing to get out of the boat to denying Christ. And when Jesus came back, here's what Jesus asked. Do you like a brother as a friend do you love me? And if you do, feed my sheep. Do Remember that first moment you received God's grace. Peter was restored in those moments when he was reminded of the love of God. God's asking us that same thing. Do you love me as a brother? Because we're co-heirs with Christ. Do you love me? Upon this rock I will build my church. The mighty man of faith that Peter was, drifted, and came back to be is the same person that God is calling us to be. The theme over the series has been Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. How do we remain strong in the Lord and his mighty power? It's by remaining passionately in love with Jesus.